This is Millennially Speaking, a podcast about politics, pop culture, and everything in between. I'm David Latimer, and my co-host, as always, is Cheryl Boyer. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. It's good. So what I want to talk about first is, we mentioned it last week, and it's sort of a continuing saga, and that is Bill Barr. Whoa. So (laughs) Attorney General Bill Barr last week testified uh, in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee, and actually... We taped our show on Wednesday, and he was supposed to testify in front of the House on Thursday. He didn't show up. Chicken bar. Yeah, he didn't show up, and I believe it was Representative Cohen brought in that bucket of KFC and the little chicken. A little on the nose. Very on the nose. It It was was great. I don't know. It was a huge grandstanding moment for me. But I live um, for it. I I thought that was kind of silly. But anyway, (laughs) so he... The reason he didn't show up is because he was opposed to the questioning that was being proposed. Mm-hmm. Um, they wanted like outside counsel that would or outside lawyers that would be speaking to him and asking questions. Very similar, actually, they said um, to the Kavanaugh hearings. If okay. you remember, the Republicans brought in an outside uh, lawyer that would ask all of their questions on behalf of Republicans, whereas Democrats asked all their questions personally. Right. Which is kind of interesting. Um, but what I would I wanted to focus on is something that we actually talked about when his four page letter came out regarding the Mueller report. Oh. Um, we had mentioned uh, some people were concerned that he may have not gotten some things right or he was mischaracterizing some things that, oh, well, if he did that, then Mueller would have said something. Apparently he did. Mueller released this or, or Mueller sent him a letter. a letter, right? Yeah, he sent him a letter that said Mueller was pissed. You uh, uh, spent two years on an investigation. Yeah. 400 page report and then you get four pages back in response Mm -hmm. that is awful if that's what a heartbreak feels like i don't need love (laughs) (laughs) well so what i was sort of confused about is he sent him this letter basically saying that you know some of the things that you said in your four page letter is confusing to the public and i would like that you would uh release more of my report that actually included some executive summaries is what they're calling it right um which Which, is actually what he wanted to be released in the first place that was the whole point of including them was for he figured bar can release these and then he can submit like a redacted thing later Mueller was for the people bar is not that's what i see it well so, so there's a lot of based on his testimony a lot of uh, questioning of him and and his actions a lot of people are saying he is acting more like Trump's lawyer than the, I, no, the I nation's feel attorney general yeah you agree? i feel i feel like he's more on the republican side with this i feel like he's not i feel like he's very right leaning mm-hmm. instead of being center well, he's he's supposed to represent the people. He is the top uh, um, law enforcement official in the country. Yes, that's what I mean. And just because majority of politics right now is Republican based, you are still representing the American people, which is nonpartisan. Well, and there's <laughs> there's actually a lot of calls for him to resign or potentially be impeached. I don't by- think he'll resign. No, I don't think he will. He seems very arrogant and very comfortable with his decision, especially with him. He's a very smart well, he, guy. He doesn't think he did anything wrong. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. He's a very smart guy, especially with him not showing up to his hearings and everything. Mm-hmm. He's confident and he doesn't want to be swayed in any direction. So I don't think that he's going to resign. Do you think that impeachment of him is the right move? Um, It's weird because my personal views for it, the liberal inside of me is like, yeah, like he's just... He's crappy. Like, he proved that he is biased, basically. But I guess the political side of me is kind of like, no, at the same time. I feel like we throw the word impeachment around like it's just something so easy. 
and it's not it's not something that you can just do tomorrow and it just be done and he's right. out and then the new guy's in and we're all happy again it i just that way. i don't know to me it feels kind of misguided mm-hmm. it feels very much and not to you know jump on a republican talking point but it feels very mm-hmm. much like democrats were expecting an outcome from the Mueller report didn't get that and it feels like they are now redirecting their attention to Barr. and if we couldn't impeach trump we're gonna shift over to Barr, and it's sort of yeah it's like like political justice almost and it doesn't feel right it feels like very misguided justice exactly i feel like it's just one of those things where you just start acting on emotion you're just like i didn't get that one let me move Mm -hmm. on to the next one right and i we've said this in a previous podcast before that i don't think that politics is in a good direction right now and i think that we get it majority of us do not we just don't like trump like we don't and it sucks, but a lot of people didn't like Nixon. A lot of people didn't like other presidents. But I think that we just need to come together. And hopefully this is what is last year being president. I think we just need to come together. Ignore that. How can we fight it? Well, and that's um, a lot of I know the some of the Democratic candidates and even some current House members on the Democrat side are actually saying forget impeachment because the point of impeachment, first of all, he would not actually get impeached because the Senate would not, you know, start the trial or, or wouldn't proceed with trial. But there's a referendum on the president and it's called the 2020 election and it's coming up in a year and a half. Uh-huh. So if we just get through the next year and a half, the people will speak again. They will decide what they want to do, whether they want to keep Trump or get rid of him. And that will be sort of the deciding factor of do we continue with Trump's presidency or not is an election, which right. I think is fair because I think. Democrats are worried about the optics of impeachment, whether it looks too political or whether it looks, you know, like, are we actually going to get anything done by doing this? Right. Because you're not. You're just not. That's what I'm saying. And I, a lot of people don't understand politics. Impeachment is not a short process that happens the next day. And it's not a, a very easy process, nor is it one that in most situations, I don't think the country will unite under. I don't no. think any impeachment proceeding the country will unite under. Yes, we're literally, that's throwing gasoline on a fire, mm-hmm. and we're just like, oh, yeah, like... I, I just want to move on from the whole thing. Like, I want I want the Mueller report to, like, the, the findings were released, and yes, mm-hmm. there was um, a report that I believe, I, f- I forget who did it, but I know I saw it from CNN, that somebody talked to, like, 400 different prosecutors and said that Trump would be indicted for his potential obstruction crimes had he not been president. Mm-hmm. But, which I, I don't, that's a very, mis, to me, a misleading uh, argument and a misleading... Because it wouldn't have happened if well, he well, wasn't president. The, the point is... No one would have cared. Well, exactly. But the point is that indictment does not mean guilty, not guilty. It means I have enough evidence to charge you with something. Mm-hmm. But from Barr's perspective his opinion was I don't think there's enough evidence to and, and he, he even said in his in his summary that he didn't take into account whether he was president or not um, he didn't believe that there was enough evidence to uh, indict and to me it just feels like I don't know if if the underlying crime did not happen mm-hmm. the obstructive efforts to me at least and to bar don't matter as much Yes, the the he did commit things that could be obstructive, but if the investigation continued to its conclusion, they didn't actually obstruct anything because the investigation continued and it concluded and it found the you you got the findings in the end. So it really wasn't that obstructive if you think about it, because it didn't stop it. It never ended. Everyone's just frustrated with Trump. 
I think that's right. What it is. Well, and, and that's like, why I'm saying that they're redirecting their anger in a wrong place. Yeah, and I, and I don't think that's fair. Bar we wasn't Bar is not going to be remembered in history very well, but I don't what think focusing general on, is right. Like, well, yeah, like you know, Jeff Sessions is not doing so great, <laughs> but I don't think it's fair to um, redirect your anger at him because you're not happy with the outcome of the Mueller report. You know, I think it was not only that though. I think a lot of people were mad at like more of his attitude towards it i guess it just seemed like he was so nonchalant about something that to us was such a big deal well and he did say that like, like we spent two years on this everyone yeah. was riding on this and then you just come out with this four page you're like yeah no well his letter was in some ways misleading because it tried to imply that there's no evidence of obstruction whereas the actual Mueller report and his press conference beforehand said there were 10 episodes which right. that's not no evidence that's 10 episodes of evidence yeah um so it it was misleading in that way but in the end the the core findings are still such that if there was no coordination between russia and the trump campaign then he believes in his legal opinion that there cannot be obstructive efforts specifically because the investigation did not stop so Mm -hmm. again move on from the whole thing it's over the investigation concluded there is no point in harping on this exact same issue over and over again. So what I also wanted to talk about is there's a school in Houston. I don't know if you've heard about this. So there's a school there that it's actually, it's James Madison High School. They implemented a dress code for parents (laughs) because, well, because they had parents that were coming to pick up kids or drop off kids and they were wearing what they called inappropriate dress attire so um there was a letter that they sent home on april 9th that barred parents when visiting madison high from wearing ripped jeans leggings short shorts mini dresses or tops that expose cleavage as well as hair bonnets rollers and pajama pants this was racially charged (laughs) yeah are you first of all you can't tell a grown woman or a grown man that isn't attending that school what to wear like, if that's the case, my mom would have been banned from our high school. Oh, my God. Yes, because my mom dropped me off in bonnets, robes. Uh, I don't think my mom wore leggings back then. But, like, and like pajamas, anything. She didn't, like, go into the actual school dress like that. Well, that's that might be the difference is that it is if anyone goes inside the school. So how, do, how would you feel if a parent came into school wearing pajama pants? And maybe a, a hair bonnet I, or, or I, hair I rollers. I have seen when we would do our plays or when we'd have events at school. I have seen parents because we come from a small town. Yeah. I have seen parents in pick like go to pajamas. More importantly, we should be happy that parents are there. Mm-hmm. So you're going to tell them what to dress, and then you're going to make parents feel bad. Especially, let's talk about parents that are can't afford certain things. There are parents that don't go to work every day. So, I mean, so they're not going to be dressed to the nines or whatever leggings that's ridiculous to ban that um pajama pants yeah i'm I'm really not a fan of people going out in pajama pants it's it's kind of classless but um but uh that 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 kind of upsets me well what's interesting i'm looking it up right now this may not specifically apply to that school but um as of the 2010 census the racial makeup of the houston area is um, it's my, it's a majority minority area, right. so it's about 25% white, 25% black or African-American, and 43% Hispanic or Latino. So 
you know, majority minority? Is this, I don't know, is this white administrators lashing out at, at minorities or is it just a across the board parents are just dressing inappropriately? I'm yeah, just, I'm I curious. Just, yeah, like I, this is a, such a weird thing and I honestly am not comfortable with it. Here's a good part. So Madison High School serves mostly low income families of color and some of the items on the ban list such as hair bonnets disproportionately target black women's grooming practices yeah um this is coming from an article was written for vox mm-hmm. um that that's one of the quotes from it but so so obviously that's that's one of the issues that's coming up is that it's targeting specific people rather like like the specific things that they're banning are targeting specific groups yeah i mean it's different if you're telling the children not to come to school dressed like right. that but the parents like I said, be happy that parents are showing up because mm-hmm. there's a lot of parents that don't show up and are not active in their kids' lives. So as long as these ki- as long as the parents are coming naked, I think we're good. Right. But I'm also wondering how bad was it that they had to do that? Uh, exactly. Like how widespread of the problem is it? But also flip it around. Shouldn't parents that are going outside the house and going into a public place want to dress more respectively and and you know you're you're going into a school you're seeing other people it's not like you're just going outside and picking up the newspaper or something like that you're actually going out in public shouldn't i mean schools shouldn't have to teach you know respectfulness and and how to dress appropriately but shouldn't parents just decide to do that on their own does just playing devil's advocate shouldn't people want to to look a little better when they're in public um Morally, I guess, yeah, but circumstances happen. Things happen. What if, you know, you have to pick the kid up and you have to go into the school? That's how it works, right? You have to sign the kid out if they're, like, under yeah. 18 or something. I'm a, See, no, I don't plan on being the mom that comes in, the, in, you know, sweatpants or whatever. But, all right, they put leggings on the list. I'm a mom. I'm at home. I'm in my leggings and a hoodie. Relax. They call so-and-so. Your kid's sick. Can you call, pick your kid up and sign them out? No mm-hmm. problem. I go into the school in leggings. Whoa. Like, what are you going to do? Write me a ticket? Mm-hmm. Give me no, a that's citation? Exactly. What is, what is the Are punishment? you going to ban me from coming to my to the school where my kids attend? Like, mm-hmm. this is, oh, no. Like, you don't, even, you don't even go to the school, so there's not really any kind of jurisdiction no, over you. Well, is... and I think what's most confusing to me is that they're doing things that are, like, specific to, like, a student dress code. Kind of like the... The no ripped jeans and and the leggings and things like that. I understand like tops that expose cleavage and, yeah, and pajama pants, maybe like that because that's just thin clothing or, or clothing that's not appropriate like around kids. But the ripped jeans and leggings, like a lot of people wear that. I really, really, a lot of girls wear that just in general, like in public. I want someone to challenge this, and I really hope that this would be something that would make it to the Supreme Court because it'd be I, interesting. I need tea like this. <laughs> I need tea like this. Like I said, I, I do think that this is, um, this is, you know, it's, it's, it's I, crazy. I feel like it's, it's students. Yes. Adults. No. Yeah. It's definitely something that it's a conversation that should be had, but I don't feel like schools should be making these decisions. I feel like you I should, don't think it should at, be at in... a personal level, you should decide whether it's appropriate to come into a school wearing that because I mean, there's plenty of people that go into stores looking a certain way and you're like and you're like why are you dressing like that like that's kind of a weird look but i think it's your choice as long as you're not naked like you said as long as you're not naked but i do think the school went about it differently or wrong i think they went and if they just had a meeting you know like freshman orientation or like an like a whole meeting that just said hey you know we're trying to 
establish this institution to be a little bit more professional. That that sounded good right there. Actually, just be just be and, appropriate. Yeah, and to see like this is something that we wouldn't want to see the parents in. And then you that that brings it down. So then that puts it in the back of their head, where it's like, hey, you know, like the school's trying to build their game up. Let me take you know these ripped jan- pants off and put on like business pants mm-hmm. or something. But is the problem that big? Like, is it really that big a deal? That and I'm sorry, but parents, if they're there, they're probably at that school for maybe two hours max. Two hours if there's a player musical going on, a half hour for a parent teacher conference, five minutes for picking their kid up. That's it. Most of them are just driving by. Exactly. Like my mom probably went into my school like maybe like a few times. Like my mom was not trying to see me like that, nor high school. <laughs> Shout out to you, mom. So lastly, what I wanted to talk about is Fox News. Oh, so my liberal blood is boiling. So several months ago, the DNC announced that. Fox News would not be hosting any debates, any Democratic debates for the 2020 election, which that's not new. They have not. I actually looked it up. They have not hosted a Democratic debate since 2003. Mm. So this isn't like, wow, they're just, you know, keeping them out of it for 2020. Like, no, they didn't do one in 16, (laughs) in 2012, like any of them. So they didn't do even for Obama. They didn't do 2008. Nope. Fox News did not, Mm, which whatever. That's fine. I mean, there's lots of news networks. There's lots of places, especially with new media that debates can be. But Regardless, um, with that, they were sort of, it was almost like the the Democrat establishment was telling Democrats, like, don't appear on Fox News. Like, avoid Fox. They're a quote-unquote propaganda machine. It's not worth your time. But then you had people like Bernie Sanders, who became the first person to reach out and do a town hall at Fox. Bernie is trying to change the game, though. He's also a socialist. Mm Mm-hmm. Everyone loves him. I love Bernie. Do I like his policy? Do I think he's president material? Absolutely not. But I mean, I could see him extending an olive branch. He wants everyone to be at one. He's literally like a hippie. Yeah. Pretty cool. Well, but how do you feel about like the Democrats appearing on a network like Fox, which can sometimes twist some words or, or misinterpret or misrepresent certain policies? How does that? Um, I think that that is luring someone into a lion's den <laughs> that is i i really feel like i feel like when they do have democrats on fox and especially fox and friends it is they are just tearing them apart i feel like a lot of the times they don't give them time to speak they bash us you know all the time when we're not even there so when we're there it's like like, you're just there so you can criticize us. It's literally just sitting there and then us saying, like, oh, you know, coming in there with a full heart, ready to say all this information for you to just sit there and be opposed to it. It's pointless. Mm-hmm. I, I, It's a really weird thing. Well, I think I don't mind it. I think it's actually a good thing because it's horrible to, to you know, have a left and a right news and it's you you can't have crossover Mm -hmm. people that are watching fox are not immune to policies that democrats are pushing because i mean it's uh, a right-leaning source right but but latest polls are saying that you know things like medicare for all have like a 70 percent approval um and what was the other one um taxing the wealthy more and, and the specifically the um it was the the wealth tax, like on your like your whatever ten millionth dollar, whatever the the number was, 
most people support that too that the wealthy should be taxed at a higher rate right for like a specific the the marginal tax rate is what it is um but that's that's the thing is that those kinds of policies do have uh, a wide support that extends into the republican base Mm -hmm. so you should be reaching out and there's nothing wrong with like i said coming from the horse's mouth you get foxes you know they're they're hosting people like Bernie Sanders. I think Amy Klobuchar is doing one, and so is Pete Buttigieg. They're doing town halls at Fox. You're getting their policies out to those kinds of people, and it breaks the bubble because I think a lot of times people that are watching Fox are sort of stuck in their bubble. Yeah, and not that you have to like change your mind and you can't. You know, you're, I'm now going to all of a sudden start voting Democrat, but exposing to what they're policies are coming directly from them is so important instead of listening to political pundits and people saying well this is what their policies i think their policies mean no No, that's not right right. i I hate that i do agree with you on that but i'm just saying that it's just i think for the first if this does happen the first few years is going to be very rough and not just from fox but from their supporters Mm -hmm. and their viewers and fans so i'm very interested to see how that plays out but i do agree with you that uh, a lot of times people that are avid Fox listeners will say, well, you know, so-and-so said this about the policy. And then you're like, well, that's not their policy at all. That's, exactly. That was their, it's, their It gets opinion. misrepresented. Yeah, that was their opinion. That was their take on the policy and that they didn't agree with the policy. Mm-hmm. And then you have people going out there and saying, well, that's what they said and blah, blah, blah. Exactly. You're like, no, it's not right. And then, uh, like, we've talked about it before, Fox will tell you when it's an opinion. Mm-hmm. So people are so focused on listening that they're not looking. Well, and specifically, like I was mentioning earlier about the marginal tax rate, when AOC had talked about a marginal tax rate, everyone at Fox completely misrepresented what that means as if they didn't know what a marginal tax rate was. I believe all of them did. I think they were just misrepresenting it to their viewers. And a marginal tax rate does not they were saying well they're going to take away 90 percent of your income for rich people that's not true it's at a particular dollar amount on your like i said on your 10 millionth dollar all the money made after that will be taxed at a higher rate not you know everything from a dollar of your income to however is going to be taxed at 90 percent it's that's how marginal tax rates work is they at a certain point get taxed at a higher rate which is that used to be a Republican position that was implemented by Republican presidents. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden Republicans are, no, we can't tax people at higher rates. Like I'm just saying, not that we have to implement it, but if you're going to talk about the policy, get it right. Yeah. Don't lie about it. And that's why you need Democrats. Well, and that's, it's interesting because actually the, the house leadership, the, uh, what is this? The, the house Democrats messaging arm, they were formerly known as the democratic policy and communications committee. Um, they're actually hosting a training session in the Capitol to help members prepare for Fox News appearances. As they should. Yeah, they're actually I mean, preparing you how to that's take great. on Fox. That's great. Well, yeah, because I, I know that um, anyone that's running for anything, the was it the Democratic Committee, the Republican Committee, they train you for yeah. that. They train you for interviews because I do believe that Fox comes hard. And I, I don't knock it. I think it's great journalism. Um, it's just they they come hard and aggressive, and I feel like a lot some Democrats aren't ready for and, it. And a lot of it is advocacy journalism for mm-hmm. sure, yeah, because they are right leaning and clearly more of a, a Christian till and a right leaning. And it, it if you're coming from any other perspective, you need to be able to 
know how to take that on. Exactly that. And you have to back it up because they ask you questions on the spot. So I, I think it's great that they're being trained for that because you it's like the Tommy was a Tommy Lauren show. Like mm-hmm. she, she was she was a hard runner. So I, I do remember a lot of people like saying that they had to they were pulling just random questions out because they knew she was going to come hard. And that's pretty much what Fox is. Mm-hmm. So I think it's great that they're training them on that. And I think it makes you a better debater. Yeah, absolutely. As a candidate or as any person you know in the house like it it makes you a better uh, a much better person yeah exactly you know how to take on because your constituents are not all one party Mm -hmm. i'm sure you also have republicans people that voted republican that are now stuck with you as their representative you have to be able to talk to them and and be able to represent them and i think that's that's fair so what would you like to get off your chest politics of course (laughs) i want to talk about the democratic nominees one in particular though okay pete boot edge edge (laughs) boot edge edge he actually has promotional material for that now but he does go ahead so my thing is is that a lot of people are promoting him a lot more promoting him from when he first started and at first i was iffy about it i still am kind of iffy about it but he i don't think that he's a bad candidate but I, right now, I just don't think he'd be right. Like I, I said previously, whoever takes Trump's spot for 2020, Biden, um, <laughs> it, it's going to be a lot that they're going to have to bring on. And I just don't think that he would be ready. Uh, we still don't know his policies. Am I right? Yeah, he doesn't yeah, even know his policies. Exactly. And it, it's everyone's pushing on the fact we can't do like we did with Trump. And we can't be like, oh, everyone's, he's a millennial, he's gay, he's a mayor, he's young, he's, he's a veteran. That's great. But what are the policies? Like, bring something. And I'm, I'm just, I don't know. I'm keeping my eye on him, though, because he, him. He might be the dark horse of this race. Yeah. Like, he, he's not, he's not as bad as I thought he was. And he's not as much of, I don't want to say a punk, but he's not like, <laughs> he's not as weak as I thought he was. And he definitely is coming through. And it, it would be cool to have a millennial as president. But um, I'd love to be part of the conversation. I would so love millennials to be part of the national conversation. Yeah, no, that would be great. I'm sick so, of boomers making decisions for millennials. Exactly. And generations to come. For that long, so. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so I need to get something off my chest. Also oh. kind of politics. Okay. Um, so. As you know, I'm sort of a, I would call myself a moderate, conservative, Republican-ish. Um, you hear that, political science students? There's a new... <laughs> there's a new sheriff in town. Yes. But my issue is that I really dislike how in this polarized political world that we're in right now, that if you're a Republican, you have to support these things. If you're a Democrat, you have to support these things. And if you don't, well, then you are you're crazy, you're off the wall, you're you're not, you know, supporting the the cause or whatever it is. You know, there can be a middle ground. There is even even if like there's policy positions, okay? There's not always a well, clear-cut this is correct and this is wrong. You know, if, if there there's pros and cons to every policy. Um so things like I'll bring it up again, the marginal tax rate <laughs> of taxing money at at a much higher rate at a at a your higher income. Uh, There are pros to that. And I'm sure there's also cons to that. You know, it's not like the policy is the right policy or the wrong policy. And I'm so sick of political pundits always saying, well, that can't be done because X, Y, Z. So then therefore we just are not doing it. 
Well, right. there there is no perfect way to do something, but that doesn't mean we can't try to do something different or keep some things that we're currently doing. Um, it's just, we're so polarized that there is no way that we can legitimately have a conversation because if somebody on a Republican side brings up something that might be perceived as liberal, you're done. You're done. You're, you're not a real Republican. You're not whatever it is. It's, I'm so sick of us being put into these boxes of if you're a conservative, you must support this. And if you're a liberal, you must support this. It's, I, it's ridiculous. I, I feel that. It's I ridiculous. Because uh, believe it or not, as much as I hate to say this, especially on this channel, there are some things that Trump has done that I don't see as being completely bad. And please wipe that smile off your face. <laughs> <laughs> there are some things that I'm like, wow, you know, that's great. But because he's a Republican and because he's Trump, there's some of especially my friends and, you know, some parts of me that I'm just like, I, you still shouldn't support him. It's exactly. like that that demon in the back. Of right. Like, and oh. just like how Pete Buttigieg's nice, calm demeanor is appealing. Oh, OK. But I don't know. Your Republican side is telling you no, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. It's I can't. So, I, it's, it's a it's political imp- It's impossible. It's impossible. It's an internal battle. <laughs> I feel that. And that's all for this edition of Millennially Speaking. I'm David Latimer. And I'm Cheryl Boyer. Be sure to rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And if you like this podcast, share us with your friends. We're also on Instagram at Millennially underscore speaking and on YouTube, Millennially Speaking. We'll be back next week. <laughs>